Let's pray together. Uh, Lord, we thank you um, for your love. And we thank you, Lord, for um, all the many blessings that you have given each and every one of us, Lord. May we have eyes to see those today, Lord, uh, as we dig into your truth, your love, and the resurrection that you have for us to experience alongside you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good to see you all today. Thanks for being here. Um, As Allison mentioned earlier, we're wrapping up this quite long series that started as the resurrected life way back on Easter Sunday. That was a while ago, wasn't it? And uh, on Pentecost, we shifted gears. We started talking about the resurrected church, less of an individual sort of mindset, more of a community mindset. And today we're going to weave some of those things together and reframe some things and um, do a little bit of recap here. So uh, the resurrected life, it's all about living on Monday or Sunday, right? Not on Friday or Saturday. On Good Friday, there was despair because the Messiah lost his life. He was killed. He took the sins upon the world, the sins of the world upon his shoulders, and he died. He paid the price for them, right? And oftentimes as Christians, if you, if you remember, we talked about this way back on Easter, we tend to live on Saturday. We know that we're forgiven, but our lives aren't necessarily transformed or full of life like we might think they should be if Jesus actually did rise from the dead on Sunday. And so this whole idea is that we are leaning into the Sunday, right? We're leaning into the Sunday. We're saying, yes, Lord, you have forgiven me for my sins. I am saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And Jesus is still alive. Jesus is still alive and invites us into that life through the power of the Holy Spirit. So our lives don't have to look like ones of just waiting for some future day of resurrection, But our whole life as the church and the empowerment that we have as the people of God is actually something we experience today because Jesus is alive today. And so that was the point of this series. And here's some of the things just to refresh you that we chatted about um, from Easter all the way up here. Um, In terms of the resurrected life on a more individual basis, we talked about how the resurrected life brings freedom. Freedom from condemnation, freedom from sin. We talked about how it brings transformation Uh, God doesn't leave us where he finds us. He loves us, he saves us, and then he seeds into us to grow and grow and grow. And there's not a day that we take a breath in this world that we cannot grow to a deeper and better understanding of Jesus Christ and his love for us. He gives us a new identity as part of the resurrection. Again, we're not the people of, of Good Friday anymore. We're not the people of the sin. That's not what we're known as. We are now people of the resurrection. People where Jesus Christ Um, is our Lord and Savior. We are part of his family, part of his fold, part of his flock. The resurrected life brings joy. And we'll see that a little bit today, too, from our gospel reading. The resurrected life brings an an eternal hope. We're going to dig into that a little bit more today as well. And all of this comes as a result, then, of what happened on Pentecost. Pentecost Sunday, when God filled his people with power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, and on that day the church was born. And so we shifted gears on Pentecost. Our sermon series started talking about the resurrected church. If we as individuals can be transformed, surely we as the body of Christ should be experiencing transformation together as well. We talked about how the resurrected church, it has a mission and a vision. The mission is born out of the great commission of Matthew 28. And then the vision is something that God puts in front of us that makes us want to move forward and go towards that. And we've been talking about how that influences us here at Emmanuel as well, going into our 125th. We talked about how the resurrected church encourages one another. This should be one of the most encouraging places that you can ever be throughout your week. And I hope that it is, and I hope that you experience that here. And if you haven't, I pray that you will. 
because that's an area that we can continue to grow as well. The resurrected church makes sacrifices, often for the sake of each other, for the sake of our neighbor. We part with things that are valuable to us because Jesus literally laid down his life for us. The resurrected church cares for each other and does life together, as Christian Huntley shared last week. Um, Great sermon. Go back and listen to it on Facebook or on YouTube if you didn't get a chance to hear that. Uh, But we can do this life thing together, and it's going to be a whole lot better than if we try to do it alone. And so part of the power of the resurrection that we experience is that we will be there for one another and walk alongside one another in a way that really, I believe, is unique to the church. And the resurrected church, we talked about this, it stands on the word of God. The scriptures are our foundation. Hebrews 4.12 again tells us, the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. And when it boils down to it, we experience the power of God, but we also learn and grow through the scriptures. And all that we learn about this resurrection power and how God wants to move in us and live in us and move through us and live through us, all of our understanding comes through our ability to dig into God's word and study it. Because through that, we get to know him better. And so that has been an emphasis in this series and this year, and it will continue to be an emphasis in the future. And so today we're wrapping this series up, and I wanted to frame this conversation today on a broad level, and I wanted to tie together some of these things. And as I was preparing, I I thought, where did this idea of a resurrected church, a resurrected life, where did it become real in my own faith, in my own experience. And maybe that's not words that you've attributed to transformational experiences in your life, but for for me, there were two examples that came to mind. And and I was really thinking in the context of what Pastor Christian talked about last week, living life together, doing life together. So there's two different examples. For me, um, there are many examples, but two stuck out for this conversation. So I think I experienced the resurrected church in a powerful way, in a new way, Um, in the living room of the Prescotts in Waverly, Iowa. When I was a student at Wartburg College, there was a family. He was a part-time vineyard pastor and a full-time English teacher at the middle school in Waverly. And him and his wife, they had a heart for college kids, and they lived a few blocks from campus. And so part of their ministry was they would regularly each year meet some college kids and invite them over, invite them into their house, serve them meals, And a lot of times, these were some of the students who had a faith going into college that felt like those those sort of faith community needs were not being met on campus, which I think a lot of students experienced. And so we'd go to the Prescott's living room, and there I experienced the resurrected church. I experienced a community where we prayed for one another, like for real. We didn't say we would pray and go home and forget. We, We prayed right on the spot for one another. We read the scriptures together. We worshiped together. We ate meals together. And although many of those people have gone different ways, and I can't even remember all of them that were there, it was a transformational experience because the power of the resurrection and the life that God offers through that, through all in Christ Jesus, was experienced there. And I hope you've had experiences like that too, kind of like what Christian was talking about last week. Uh, Some of the best experiences in the church, of the church, for the church, are the ones around a table or a living room. They're in a circle. Not necessarily on a Sunday morning. This is good where you're all facing up here. But when we all get around a table or a living room, we face one another and we do life together. It's transformational. And in the Prescott's living room, that was one of the first times I remember somebody laying a hand on me and praying for me, even though I'd grown up in the church and been there every Sunday my whole life. 
The second experience is when we were in Altoona. Allison and I lived in Altoona for a while and served at Lutheran Church of the Cross while I was in seminary. And we have these things there called missional communities, and we were part of an incredible missional community. This was a, a small cluster of families that tried to do just this. We tried to live life together. And we spent a lot of time in people's basements, on the floor, or out in their backyards, sometimes singing together, sometimes sharing a meal, often sharing a meal. That was how almost all of our meetings started. And one of the things that we learned to do there was we all took turns sharing our stories. We learned how to put words to what God had done in our lives in a way that could communicate that to our neighbor, the person sitting next to us. And you'd be surprised how many people in the church have never told the story of why they love God, of, of how God has transformed or impacted their lives. And so we intentionally did this in our missional communities. And man, there is some really good power in sharing your story and hearing the stories of other people. These things called testimonies that Christians talk about, that's a super important part of our time together as the church, particularly on the smaller group level. So we experienced something transformational. It was this resurrection power. It was living as if God was going to work in us and through us and transform us, not living as if we were waiting for some future day for that to happen. And that really sums up what this is all about. So let's talk about the resurrected church. Our lives today are influenced by two different directions. We're, we're rooted in the church that was, that we see on Pentecost and we're going to look at, and we're also rooted at the church that will be when we looked at Revelation and heard that passage this morning. And so first, let's talk about the church then and now. How do our lives today compare to, relate to, how can they be influenced by the church that was in Jesus' time, shortly after Jesus ascended, and when they were filled with the Holy Spirit? The first thing that's clear uh, is that the resurrection of Jesus was life-changing for his disciples, for thousands of people in the days and the weeks and the years to come. It was life-changing. Their lives, whatever trade they had, whatever despair that they experienced at the death of Jesus was gone when they realized he wasn't dead anymore. We see a picture of that in our John 20 gospel passage this morning. The disciples are filled with joy to see that their hopes are fulfilled, that Jesus truly was the one he said he was, the Messiah, the Son of God. And so Jesus comes in in this gospel passage. He blesses them. He gives them peace, and he fills them with his Holy Spirit. And then even Thomas, who missed the first meeting, right? Uh, Thomas needed a little bit of hard evidence to believe it, and so Jesus comes to him and gives him that hard evidence that Jesus really was alive, that he really was resurrected. And so then Thomas professes Jesus to be his Lord and his God. And he goes on like the rest of the disciples and many others in the early church, to live a life on mission, in ministry, for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so reading this passage, I was thinking, man, why does our experience seem to be so different than what we read in the pages of John 20 or Acts 2? Why do our lives tend to feel or look maybe from the outside or, or maybe even in our midst, why do they tend to be so much less transformed. You know, these disciples, they realized it, and forever their lives were changed. And sometimes I think we have a hard time experiencing that level of, whew, that transformation, that aha moment 
of what Jesus is for us and in us and through us. And I was asking, man, are our lives just a little too tame when we look at the New Testament and the early church? Or maybe we're trying to live for all of these other things and Jesus at the same time rather than Jesus being on the throne of our lives. Because it's really easy to do that. Or maybe the reality of a resurrected Jesus, maybe it means just as much today as it did then. So I pray that we would experience that. If you, if you read this uh, gospel passage from John 20, and you, you see and you feel the excitement of the disciples, know that their excitement for Jesus being alive can also be your excitement. And time does not diminish the amount of excitement that God can give you for the good news. So I pray that we would experience that powerful hope that they experience, that excitement that they experience. And it changed their lives and it can change our lives too. After all, it is the same Holy Spirit that filled them. The same Holy Spirit fills the church today. It is the same Jesus that is the head of them as the church. It is the same Jesus that is the head of us today as the church. And it is the same power of God and the same good news that Jesus came to proclaim. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. We see this in Acts 2 as well. Um, when the church is established, we get a picture of what this life together looks like. And, and I know we read from Acts 2, 42-47 a lot. Here's why we do that. This is one of the best pictures and snapshots of what the early church looked like with the people that walked and talked and lived with Jesus and what the community looked like when their faith brought them together in, in a whole new and unique way. So I'm going to read here again, Acts 2, 42-47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's a pretty clear, really neat example of what church is, of what church can be. And it's not just a first century reality. This was intended to be an ongoing reality for the church until Jesus comes back. It is timeless. And so today, it is the same example for us. The resurrected church then and now is a body of believers that devotes themselves to the scriptures breaks bread together. We do that through Holy Communion. We also do it through fellowship time, and many of us do it in small groups or in the house of our friends and so forth. It is a church that is filled with awe at God's power and God's miracles. The resurrected church today is one that shares with those in need. It's one that meets together daily or regularly. Daily might be cool. Think about that. And praising God, it is a church that praises God as we proclaim the good news to the lost. Now, looking at your own life and looking at this list, how you doing? Does your life look like the life of the early church? 
Maybe, maybe think of a one to 10 scale. What would, you, what would you rate each one of those things in your life? Where's the room to grow? Some good self-reflection this morning. Because we read the scriptures, but they also read us, right? How do our lives look like that? And, and then I would ask here too, the same thing as a church, as Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Story City, Iowa, where might our scores be if we were to rate ourselves, do a little self-assessment on this? I think in many ways we do well, but like all things with the kingdom of God, any group of people that is made up of less than perfect people is going to have room to grow, right? And that's us. We have room to grow if we're honest with ourselves as individuals and as a church. And so moving forward here at Emmanuel, this, this picture of the church that we are blessed to have in Acts chapter 2, this is going to remain sort of front and center as part of the vision that draws us forward, right? Because we believe that the church today can be like the church was then. We believe that because it's the same Jesus and the same Holy Spirit, it's the same gospel and the same mission, that truly we can experience something that can only be experienced in the body of Christ in this world. And we want to strive for that. And we're going to ask God to lead us into this season of renewal and growth so that we might thrive as the church was intended to thrive in this world and as we carry on its work. So the resurrected church, then and now, looking back and up till today, it's one where Jesus is very much alive. It is a church that recognizes and yields to the work of the Holy Spirit in us and through us and around us. It's one that takes up the Great Commission as our mission because our world still has a tremendous need to hear that good news. And the church for those old, or, excuse me, the church for those early believers and for us, it is the same church. Those are the things I kind of want you to wrestle with and take away here this morning. So then and now. Now let's look forward. The resurrected church now and forever, now and for eternity. Part of living as the people of God through Jesus Christ is that we exist in two different kingdoms. And we've taught on this before. It's one of these um, things that we wrestle with frequently because we often need to address the question, why does so much bad happen in a world if God is in control, right? And that's a different sermon topic and a different study, but on a surface level, there's these two kingdoms in the world. The kingdom of this world is one of those where there still exists darkness and sin and death, Right? We see it around us every day. And then there's this kingdom of heaven which Jesus came to usher in, which allows us to experience the freedom from sin by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. There's two kingdoms, and these two kingdoms are at war with one another. And understanding this helps us to explain why sometimes we can clearly see the power of God at work in our lives and around us and in the world. We see the good things, and it also explains why we are touched by despair and brokenness and evil. Even as Christians, it affects us. So today, I feel like we need a reminder of this. And I know I needed a reminder of this too because we've had so much loss in our church this year, is that the resurrected church of Jesus Christ, it is eternal. It is timeless and you are part of it. It is eternal and timeless and being part of the body of Christ is a seal and a guarantee for eternal life with God. No matter what it is that you faced this year or last year or today, the sin, the grief, the loss, the pain, the death, all of the things that that kingdom of the world still subjects us to. 
Jesus is still alive and his church is eternal. And there is an end that's coming to that suffering. There is an end. So let's hear this Revelation text again. We heard it earlier. I'm going to read the whole thing again here because it makes all the difference for us as the body of Christ. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Friends, faith in Jesus Christ, being part of the body of Christ, being part of the church, it's victory. It's being part of the victory. The battles might not all be over. The two kingdoms are still at war. But the outcome is a done deal. Proclaimed here in God's word. And this truth matters so much to us today. As we lean into God's word and the reality of the resurrection. Because sometimes, sometimes we view church as something that we do once a week that uplifts us. And it certainly can be that. Other times we might go to church or or a service to feel like we've performed some sort of duty or, or to satisfy a loved one. Other times, if we're honest, the reality of the body of Christ takes a backseat to the other things in our lives. And far too often in our minds and in our hearts, the church is reduced to something that we do rather than who we are. But our future is so much bigger than that. The reality is that we are the church. Every time we have a children's message, we sing that song, right? You know it's not just for the kids to sing that. We want you to sing it too. We want you to be reminded that you are the church. We are the church together. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, your new identity is that you are part of the church. You have been saved from your sin. It no longer chains you up and shackles you because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And you've not just been saved from something, you've been saved for something. You've been saved for a life of grace, a life of mission, and a life of participation in the body of Christ. Because we are God's plan to reach the ends of the earth. We are God's plan to reach every tongue, tribe, and nation. Your reality today is one of victory. So however you might feel defeated today or down, you have victory in Jesus Christ, not because of what you have done, but because of what Jesus has done 
for you. And because of what God desires to do now with you and in you and through you. This is a good turn into our next series. Um, Allison mentioned next week, love your church. Might sound like a selfish thing to do, but really, if the church is the body of Christ, we want to love it. We want to have reasons to love it. We want to rediscover a love for the community that God has blessed us with. We saw that in in Acts chapter 2, right? They had this real Christ-given love of Christ for each other that sometimes we fail to show to each other today, and we want to grow, and we want to figure out how we can love our church. And so we're going to draw on some themes from the book she mentioned, but really there's these biblical foundations of what the church is and why it matters. And that's what we're going to talk about as we lead into the fall here um, and get ready uh, to welcome people back for Rally Sunday and for our 125th. I believe, as many do here, that God is calling us into a season of renewed love for our church. Not just the church universal, but also what God is doing here in our community and at Emmanuel. And God wants us to thrive here at Emmanuel. And so, on that note, I'm just going to end with why Jesus said he came. John 10.10, this is kind of our our vision verse uh, moving forward this fall. John 10.10, Jesus says this, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come, Jesus has come, I have come, that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus is calling us to experience abundant life. If we don't know about the resurrection, we can't do that. If we're not drawing power from the resurrection, we can't do that. As individuals and as a church, God is calling us to experience abundant life. He's calling us to live in the power of Sunday and the power of the resurrection and every single day since the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church. And he's calling us to live in this victory of Jesus Christ. So I pray simply that we would answer that call. Let's pray together. Lord, um, you, uh, you are our victory. There's no other way to put it. There's no other way that we can find and experience eternal life here, Lord. Um, as your disciples said, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And Lord, we have come to see and to know that you are the Holy One of God. We praise you, Lord Jesus, for the resurrection. We praise you for the different ways that you have challenged us through your word and through the Holy Spirit in these past months uh, to live into a a different sort of reality than we get stuck in in this world. Lord, I pray that our citizenship of the kingdom of heaven would be where we draw this life that you want us to live with. When the world tries to hold us down and when the kingdom of this world and all its sin and death tries to hold us down, Lord, I pray that you would empower us to live as a transformed people of God, as you have called us to be. And Lord, in these coming weeks, I pray that you would help us uh, to rediscover what the church is and why it is important for us, and why is it important for our neighbors and for the lost, to come and to know what it is like to experience and be transformed in the body of Christ. So Lord, as a church here, we pray today that... um, Simply, you would do what you want to do in us so that you can do what you want to do through us. And Lord, we welcome your work. We welcome your presence. We welcome our continued filling of the Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.